The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Wilbur, and I'm your host. It is probably going to be Monday, October 17th. You're listening to this podcast for much of the time that you're watching this podcast, even on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six, because it's close to midnight, which is surprising given how quick, quickly, quackly, quickly the final Sunday night football game appeared to be tracking. Instead, Mike McCarthy, this time out, distracted out, joining me to probably complain about Mike McCarthy, although maybe give a little bit of credit. Ryan Wilson, John Breach, what's up, boys? Hey, hey, hey. You know, Mike McCarthy is not even close to being on the hot seat breach. I think he's he's availed himself nicely uh, through no small part of Cooper Rush acting like he's uh, Dak Prescott, sort of four and one. Um, I think Cooper Rush, the law of averages, caught up with Cooper Rush on Sunday night, and um, he will now take his place on the bench. He's going to get his gold watch. Thank you for your service and uh, sayonara. Yeah, speaking of laws, Wilson, uh, Sunday night seemed more like Murphy's law for Cooper Rush than the law of averages. Uh, by the way, Breach is coming to us from a bathtub. I don't know what that little joke is, but you can't hear him because it takes his mic about 15 seconds to get warmed up. What? So, Breach, explain in 10 seconds what that stupid thing is you just said. You don't record from a bathtub? Go wrong, would go wrong. Yeah, you don't know Murphy's Law? Yeah, I, mean, I do, but I don't know if that qualifies for Cooper Rush. Uh, he threw three interceptions in the first half after not turning or in the game after not turning the ball over a single time. His luck ran out. So, well, it's just the same I, statement except – Oh, I see. Okay. I only heard like bits he and pieces. CD Lamb. Yeah. yeah no, okay. We agree. We agree. I just couldn't hear you. It's like every third word because your microphone was was uh was brinsoning, as we like to say in the business. Oh, it's, bre- it's breaching. So don't, don't call it bre- bre- It's breaching. Every podcast he used to talk for 10 seconds to get his microphone going. We forgot to do it. He didn't do and it. And breaches defense. For the first time in human history, breach. Brinson rushed us to go live. So you were you were not prepared for what was about to happen. Breach bot, unprepared for. And also, this is Brenton's backup equipment. When he complains about something, they send it to me, and I'm stuck using right. it. Yeah, that's right. 
All right. So anyway, Eagles 26, Cowboys 17. Dominant first half for Philadelphia. Looks like they were going to crush the Cowboys. Really impressive third quarter by Dallas and Cooper Rush, who didn't have everything go wrong because clearly he had some things go right. Got him back in the game, got him within three points. And then the Eagles, um, I believe they, they're going to score a touchdown first and then get the Chauncey Gardner-Johnson interception. Was that right? Uh, they were up 17 nothing, then 73 the half is all I know. Um, but I do what I want to talk about specifically. It was 20 to yes. 17. Yes. 17, I mean. Specifically, do we know if we're going to point fingers to Mike McCarthy or maybe even um, Kellen Moore? So on the um, – I think it's midway through the second quarter – 14 nothing, maybe 17 nothing at that point. Uh, CD Lamb gets the first down. They mark the ball a good yard short for no clear reason on their own 35 ish. And for reasons that remain a mystery, Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, has the offense rushed in the line of scrimmage so they can run a play that involves Cooper Rush uh, throwing the worst incompletion you could imagine as opposed to just challenging the ball, which would have been overturned. That to me was not the turning point, but a, a play that stuck out as, as something incredibly stupid and something we would usually make fun of Mike McCarthy about. That's not why they lost this football game, but I don't, those are the type of things that drive me crazy. And I'm an, you know, a, a middle of the road observer. And I would imagine Cowboys fans were not happy about it either. Well, the thing was Mike McCarthy has been such a good coach all year. I mean, we ripped him last year, but he has been a coach of the year material through the first six weeks, especially when these games with Cooper rush and for that kind of a bonehead play to happen. And that had to come from him because Kellen Moore is not going to be out there calling a fourth down play unless the Cowboys are going for it on fourth down. The only person that has this final say on that is going to be the head coach. And so why are you – you either wait uh, to give your coaching staff a chance to see if, in fact, CeeDee Lamb did have the first down, or you say, hey, ref, can I get a measurement? And so right. you play the, the old stall game, so they measure, and then that gives your coaching staff time to see if you got a first down. The, the worst option here, the only bad option is rush to the line and run the next play because it's fourth down because they messed up the spot. And the Cowboys made that happen. It was unbelievable. I, yeah, like you said, Ryan, it was such a ugly first half that that might not have been a huge thing, but it felt like it was pretty big because if the Cowboys still have the ball at their own 36 and, and you know, they were down 14 at that point, if they just go down and get a field goal or a touchdown, it's 14-3, it's 14-7, and then maybe it's a completely different game. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that checks out. They also could have got a Noah Brown touchdown catch. It was overturned on a replay uh, after he only got one foot in twice, not two feet in, which is kind of an interesting argument. And but, no butt cheeks. Yeah. If you get two, if you get two, two of the same foot in, should that not count? Tap it twice? It no, that doesn't count. Obviously not. I'm kidding. Um, yeah. Brown. I uh, say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, look, the Cowboys are four and two. Cooper Rush finally had the game. Now everybody can shut up about the Dak Prescott thing. Like, there, there's like, this was going to happen at some point. It was all. It was just a matter of how long they could string this out to get Dak fully healthy and get him back on the field. And by the way, B, B, sorry, B Mac made a good point in HQ just a moment ago. You know, four and one is fantastic. We'll all take that with Cooper Rush. But you're taking four and one with Dak Prescott had he been 100 percent healthy as well, right? Uh, wait, I'm, taking, I'm taking Dak over Cooper Rush. If he had gone four and one in the last five games, everyone's ecstatic as a Cowboys fan. Is what I'm asking you. Yeah, look, like Cooper Rush, you signed for four and two right now all day long. Coming out of knowing what you know about Dak Prescott's injury. No, no. Listen, you- listen to me. If Dak Prescott starts every game is completely healthy, you're ecstatic at going four and one over the last five games. Yes, that's all I'm saying. 
Like that year. So this is like, don't be angry about tonight's game. As Breach, you got a you got you get free, you get a free roll. It's like a free roll for for Cowboys fans. You could easily be like zero and six. Right. Granted, the defense is really good, and I'm not saying that the Cowboys are an zero and six caliber team. It's just that when you lose your starter, particularly on a roster where you know the offensive line has seen some attrition, um, you know you, they love to feed Zeke Elliott. They don't have the the depth at wide receiver that they used to a few years ago. It, it would be very easy for the Cowboys to have lost a bunch of games with Cooper Rush under center. They found a way to win four games to start the season. You're four and two, six weeks in, and you're going to be getting Dak Prescott back sooner than later, probably next week, based on the fact that Cooper, how Cooper Rush played, although the Eagles defense is pretty good. I don't think you can be that upset if you're Dallas or Dallas fans. Like anybody complaining about it, if you don't understand, it's... They're living in the wrong simulation. Right. You, you are way ahead of the curve on where you should be based on the the uh, uh, timeline of events that have occurred for this team and for over the first six weeks. Of the I season. will say this, though. Still, despite all the good good fortune that's come their way, I won't call it luck, they remain third in the division breach because the Giants are so incredibly good. Yeah, I think they're fine with that, too. Yeah. Um, they already have a winner for the Giants. Any concerns? So we we talked about the, the Eagles' second half uh, issues and sort of how they they struggled. Obviously, they closed this out twenty six seventeen, uh, but again, it got to twenty to seventeen, and it really did feel like there was a chance <laughs> that you that they could lose the game to Dallas, which would have been devastating given that they had a twenty to three lead at halftime. And I just wonder, do we do we do we take anything away from the fact that they allowed Dallas to get back in the game in this in the third quarter? I'll just say this quickly, and then Breach, you can answer. The this game felt differently because they lost Lane Johnson, and then once they lost Lane Johnson, it changed everything in the second half in terms of how the defense was able to get after Jalen Hurts. I think the Eagles ran nine plays on two drives in the third quarter. We obviously saw what the the Cowboys' offense was able to do, and then they settled down uh, in the fourth quarter. The Eagles did and scored that touchdown. Yeah, and I, I think that when the Cowboys caught it in twenty seventeen that next possession kind of became, all right, if the Eagles are for real, they're going to put their foot on the Cowboys' throat, drive down the field, get a touchdown, and just put this game out of reach. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, I think 12 or 13 play drive, 75 yards. And then, so it was like Cowboys fans had three minutes of excitement where they're like, oh my gosh, we're within three points. We could win this game. And then the Eagles just deflated that whole thing. They put the old pin in the balloon and then just popped everything. And did, came uh, what I agree with you completely on the Lane Johnson thing. Also worth noting that because that happened early in the third quarter, right? Mm-hmm. And about at the same time with eleven twenty left in the third quarter, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson hurt his hand. And so th- those two things. I'm not saying that they're like the you know, linchpin. I mean they're, they're very important players, but um, Lane Johnson going out and Ch- Ch- uh, Ch- uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson going out for for much of the third period. Uh, Michael Parsons was. You know, Dan Quinn really started to use like utilize Micah Parsons on the right side of the Eagles, attacking on the left side of the Cowboys' offense defense, I guess. But you know, dropped him in coverage against Dallas Goddard after sitting him on a blitz against the backup right tackle, and you could tell that it was just a, it was a, a, a shift in in the Lane Johnson thing and the Chauncey Gardner Johnson thing caused those each side of the ball for the Eagles to take a step back in terms of their performance. It was easier to get across the middle uh, against that Eagles defense, and you could attack uh, Jalen Hurts from uh, the left side of the 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 uh, defense. So. Yeah, maybe that's it. But I mean, and good for them for correcting and getting it back together. And and, and CJ, uh, CJJ came back on the field. Lane did not come back. He's in concussion protocol, I believe. Uh, just a reminder that Lane Johnson's an awesome player and a really important part of what the Eagles did. Yeah, that's why that that offense changed when J- Jack Driscoll came in to play right tackle. 
Um, and, and that was pretty much it. Gardner Johnson came back in, had another interception to, uh, to, to the touchdown that would have been that breach previously mentioned the CD lamb that was underthrown when um, Cooper rush was begging for a hit to the face. He didn't get hit to the face, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a hallmark of a good team and they've had some, they've sputtered in the second half in, in previous weeks. I, this felt differently just because of the, the Lane Johnson thing and the other injuries that Lane, uh, Lane and Dickerson went out for a while as well late in the game. So the good news is they have their bye. Um, hopefully they can get everyone healthy. And uh, two weeks from now, they'll, they'll be ready to roll. Um, their defense is phenomenal. Their offense is steady as she goes. It's incredibly balanced. They can obviously run the ball. And they can, like, you know, it's sort of cliche to say that the, the running game travels. But they ran at Micah Parsons all night, and they used Micah Parsons' athleticism against them because they have a pretty good athlete in Jalen Hurts who can run the RPO almost to perfection. And they let Micah Parsons decide where he was going to go, and then Jalen Hurst decided what he was going to do off of that, and, and it was pretty effective. Yeah. That was the, the Cowboys' offensive game plan, or the Eagles' offensive game plan was amazing. The fact that they kind of just went at Micah Parsons, and it, the Cowboys just had no clue what to do in the first half. And granted, Dan Quinn, they did adjust a little bit and slow him down the second half, but it was just like the Cowboys looked like they had never seen the type of football the Eagles were playing. Like, like uh, Eagles and a new sport. Sorry, I'm trying to Google these uh, uh, Spanish insults being thrown at me in the chat. Very interesting. Um, you wouldn't have to Google it if you knew Spanish. Boom. Oh, that's a hardcore. If, or can you explain what it means, Breach? Spanish stuff. No, Which because one? we're focused on the podcast. We're not. Yeah, I'm not squirreling it, looking up the comments. Hey, I'm Billy, not let me ask you. Squirreling. I'm interacting with the users. Let me. While Brinson uh, learns a little Espanol, let me ask you a question, Billy. Or Oh yeah, we're, he's got to wait on the Eagles. That's right. There we yeah. go. Hey, uh, are you at all concerned that uh, Nick Sirianni's getting a little too cute, a little too cute, yelling at opposing players on the sidelines, telling them the f off, and then ro- strolling through uh, the tunnel on the way back up, yelling things like "How about the Eagles?" Or is that just Philly bravado and either like it or f off? I mean, I kind of think that that's who he is. He's been like that ever since he got here, and it kind of took it took us aback a little bit because we thought he was being fake at first. We yeah, we thought it was like, all right, you're doing a little too much, like win games, especially when we went one and five to start the season, like <laughs> win games. Right. But now, like, we've seen that you know, this is just who he is as a person. And I mean, I think the guys really galvanize around him. You saw Fletcher Cox in the background there, like showing support for his coach. Like he's like he shows a lot of support for his guys, and they return the favor. So I mean, it's it shows on the field. Everybody's in tune. Everybody's in sync, and that's kind of what you want with a team that's like has Super Bowl aspirations. You want everybody on the same accord. That's kind of what we looked like in 2017 with Doug Peterson. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's exciting to see, but you know, there's a little there's some questions definitely definitely uh, popped up today. So, hey, why uh, somebody uh, O plus asked in the chat? How about that unnecessary two point conversion at the last TD? What, what was they want to get that? to 11 as opposed to leaving it 10? to 10. So I don't I, mean, under, I don't understand why you don't run the ball like, but I they mean, did like, they ran the ball on, on the two point conversion no, with QB sneak like why are you if you're oh, going right. to take the penalty okay one yard right. you just went for it on fourth down earlier in that half and you've been unstoppable you're like thirteen for sixteen on third and fourth and ones and you do the old quarterback yeah do the old rugby thing again it's worked every single time well, I, I don't understand why you just wouldn't kick to go to ten and then you can't lose with a f- field goal and a touchdown. 
I didn't get well, it. I mean, nine or ten. What's the difference? But if you have there's nine a huge points, difference. there's a huge difference. If they get a touchdown and a field goal, you lose. Oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they, I, I think they were they were unconcerned about. I might guess. I mean, I don't know. I didn't care. I didn't care one with the other. I didn't. I didn't see what the Ben bot said. But um, my guess is that they were unconcerned about Cooper Rush. But yeah, I, I would have been fine with kicking too. I guess I didn't put much thought into it at that point. Look, I gotta say this before I get off. It's been a good week for Philadelphia. All right, get um, out of here. Get out of here. No, 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 no. We took care Pull up of Brinson's. Take off your phone. <laughs> be a man. We took care of Brinson's Atlanta Braves oh. on Friday. We took care of the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday, and now we got the Sixers in Boston on Tuesday. To, to close out the week, I'll be there. I'll be supporting my guys. So you know, I'll look at Philly you. Till the day I die. Philly, Philly versus everybody, man. Philly versus everybody. That's right. My Eagles versus everybody, Billy. All right, stop. Thanks for weighing in. Yes, yeah, um, okay. The uh, that's right. Jalen Hurts, uh, one of just a few to have six. Uh, wait, was that good back to that? Oh, anyway, well, we'll move on. Six passing touchdowns and six rushing touchdowns in team's first six games since 1970. Jalen Hurts this year, Kyler Murray 2020, Cam Newton is a rookie in 2011, and then Cordell Stewart in 1997. Yes, uh, another point made it there about the Eagles really quickly. Uh, uh, Maher missed that field goal. It would have cut it to six after because Sirianni went for uh, two. And if that had happened, then the Cowboys would have covered in this game and not Philly. Um, as noted, like people were like, it wasn't mentioned on the broadcast. You know who would have mentioned it? Al Michaels. Al Michaels would have brought it up immediately. Oh, it's a big one for some people out there. Do you know who you are? All right, let's move on to the next game. The highlight of the CBS, uh, really the highlight of the 2022 CBS Sports NFL package. Uh, the Bills at the Chiefs. Buffalo comes away with a 24-20 victory. Josh Allen became the first starting quarterback ever to beat Patrick Mahomes twice at Lambeau <laughs> Field. And Buffalo oh, Arrowhead. At, uh, at Arrowhead Field. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was scrolling through the research docs to get back there. Um, and in uh, in really, it feels like Buffalo kind of continued to exercise some demons as, as it relates to uh, this Chiefs team that has sort of haunted them. They beat them last year, obviously the regular season. Lost they beat the hell out of them last year, the regular season. Um, two wins against Mahomes, three wins against Allen for Mahomes. Both pretty good performances in all those games. I mean, kind of nitpicking. Like, this was just going to be a close game. It was going to be a good game. It was. It wasn't as high scoring as many people uh, believed it would be. The under obviously hit easily. Mahomes, I mean, uh, Allen had it was 27 to 40, 329 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. The last three years, Allen leads the NFL in most games with 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, and zero interceptions, nine of them. Patrick Mahomes is seventh. Tom Brady's six and Kirk Cousins six. As well, and Josh Allen also tied Jim Kelly for most 300-yard pass games plus three touchdown games uh, with 12 in Bill's history. Clearly, he's going to uh, end up having that record. They were down by three. got the ball back with three, 531 remaining. They went 76 yards in 12 plays for the game-winning touchdown, a drive that ate up four minutes and 27 seconds off the clock. They only punted twice on Sunday, and they punted just 22 times in their last 11 games, including the postseason. Buffalo is just freaking awesome, man. So, Breach, a couple things that, that I, I want to point out that I thought was funny. I thought it was hilarious at the end of the second quarter, right before halftime, that they they, they pooch kicked it, sort of a, an homage to the 13 seconds. I think there were 16 seconds on the clock at the time. Uh, of course, the Chiefs still were able to kick that, that field goal that I'm sure you'll want to talk about. But for me, this game came down to basically three plays. Because if you look at sort of the team stats, they're virtually identical. 
terms of the number of plays, uh, the number of first downs, uh, third down conversions, time possession, all that stuff. But it came down to not the superhuman Harrison Bucker kick, but the one that he missed later in the second half, the 50-plus yarder. And then it came down to the interception in the end zone on the very first try for the Chiefs. That cost some points. And then, of course, the interception at the end of the game um, by Patrick Mahomes. And that was a difference. I mean, the spread was the Bills minus three, and it was a four-point game. And I, I think it's just um, – it's not a moral victory for the Chiefs. They had a lot of guys injured, but the Bills could make the same same argument. I'm, I'm very much sure that the Chiefs thought they were going to win that game. But uh, for me, it felt like an evenly matched team. The Bills made the fewest, fewer mistakes. Yeah. Well, I mean, one other part is that it really feels like the Bills, especially in the first half, left a lot of points on the board. Uh, you know, their opening drive, they drove all the way down inside Kansas City's 15 uh fumbled it away and then obviously the chiefs literally did the same thing drove all the way down to scoring territory and then mahomes through the interception but then buffalo also had the the one where they drove down and went for it on fourth and goal from the three yard line and didn't get it so it felt like they were moving the ball at will and it took the chiefs a little more effort to kind of stay in the game it, it, i don't know if that makes sense it just it looked like things were easier for buffalo and so, you know, obviously it was a close game and Harrison Butker's missed field goal was big. And one of the problems with trying those long kicks, not the 62 yard before halftime, because that doesn't matter, is that, you know, you try a 51 yard field goal and you miss, you're giving Josh Allen the ball at the 41 yard line. So now uh, that's that's easy for him to get down there and get a score. And that's exactly what the the Bills did. So instead of the Chiefs getting three points, the Bills turn around, get a touchdown on that ensuing drive, and that really did feel kind of like the difference in the game because it was 10-10 at halftime. KC could have gone up 13-10. Nope, you missed the field goal. So now instead of being ahead 13-10, you're trailing 17-10. And so that was definitely a big swing. But, yep, Bucker also had a field goal that no one hits, which is that 62-yarder. Uh, just the 13th field goal of 62 yards more in NFL history and the longest in Chiefs franchise history. Uh, I mean, I would assume that like him hitting the 62-yarder before halftime was part of the reason why they were willing to, you know, to do Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Bucker's a good kicker, and the fact that he made that, because remember, he missed the past four games with an ankle injury, so Andy Reid's probably thinking, you know, we'll send him out there just to make sure he's good to go. He nails that, and then you feel comfortable with him kicking anything the rest of the game. Uh, by the way, uh, just for real quickly on the Cowboys, Eagles, Dak Prescott was asked about... Uh, Ed Wilder asked him if he'll be he'll be back this week. Yeah, for sure. That's my plan. So just worth noting. Um, uh, also, breach on that fifty-one yarder that Butker missed. Fourth and six, uh, thirty-three yard line plus thirty-three. Ten fifteen third quarter. What was the score in that game? Ten, 10 to 10. ten. Yeah, ten ten. The Ben bot, the the Bowen bot says it's a toss up as to whether you should go for it or attempt the field goal. Going for it on fourth and six, the conversion rate's forty-seven percent. Field goal attempt is 64%. Um, I don't know if going for it is preferred there, uh, only that you save yourself eight yards if you don't get it, uh, if you miss the field goal. I mean, I'm fine with the, the attempt to field goal kick, especially after he smoked a 62-yarder. 60, well, I mean, you're at Buffalo's 33, so you can't obviously can't, um, you know, punt. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, I mean, I think, yeah, like, given the fact that he hit the long one, to me, I'm, I'm fine kicking because it, it, you go for it there, and, again, you give him a short, you know, you're, you're giving him a pretty short field as well if you miss it. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, now the other argument would be this, that on fourth, uh, was it, it fourth and six? So it's fourth and six, 
And we always say, what do we always say? It's like, if you want to beat the Chiefs, you want to beat the Bills, you can't be scared. You've got to be aggressive. The question is, does that also apply to the t- those same teams? Like, do the Chiefs need to be aggressive to beat the Bills? Do the Bills need to be aggressive to beat the Chiefs? You know what I'm saying? Like, usually we're talking about like a team that's this, you know, under like overmatched in, in that situation. Does it apply for these two teams against each other? Well, the Bills went for it at least on two fourth downs and didn't get them. I don't know what their total fourth down success rate was, but Bre- uh, Breach mentioned one. There was also one. Bills went four- one for three. <clears throat> there you go. Fourth and three early in the fourth quarter at the plus 46. Josh Allen tried to keep sneaky, didn't get it. Uh, it, it. They actually were playing that, and then he threw the ball incomplete when it was 17-17. And um, the next drive, Bucker did make a field goal to make it 2017. Um, and, you know, things went from there. Well, and the fourth down they did convert would have been one. It would have been hotly debated if they did not convert it. Uh, that came when the Chiefs were up 20-17. to 17. Buffalo had a fourth and one from their own 33-yard line with just under four minutes left to play in the game. So you are trailing. You're at your own 33, fourth and one. If you don't get it, you're basically handing the Chiefs a field goal. Uh, and then, obviously, they went for it. Josh Allen did the QB sneak, got two yards, and and then they drove down and got the touchdown and won the game. So obviously looks brilliant now. And I felt like they made the right decision there because when you're talking about 345 left, if you don't get it, uh, if you get stopped, your defense has to make a stop. You got to hold the Chiefs to a field goal. Then you're down 23-17. You can still win with a touchdown. If you punt, then the Chiefs go into four-minute offense mode try and run out the clock and try and make sure you don't get the ball back. But if they have the ball at the 33, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to do that because there's only room for a couple first downs versus if they had had the whole field. So I thought that was a good call by the Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's like if, you, if you're on the 33 and you have um, – how many timeouts did they have? Did they have all- yeah, I think they still had all three. Yeah, so they, they, I think they used any of their timeouts actually in the second half. Um, so if you – yeah, if you give it up, you're, you're like, all right, look, you can run the ball three times and kick a field goal, but – you know, we're going to, we don't, you don't want to punt and then yeah, let the chiefs eat up clock. Cause that's what they're very, very good at. Uh, anything else on the previous drive, the breach was just talking about, it was still 20 to 17. Uh, that was when one of the few times that the bills had to punt. And that was because Chris Jones tripped Josh Allen and it went uncalled, which I can only imagine was a makeup call for last week. Screwing. Um, What's his name? Chris Jones over on the strip sack and calling it a roughing the pass. Or the refs were still scared to death of the Chiefs fans. They're like, we're not throwing any flags on the Chiefs in this yeah. situation. We're not doing it. It was completely a trip, too. But I don't know how you missed those calls, but I'm tired of whinging about it. No one's. Well, they it. just got too much stuff they got to deal with. I mean, that's the problem. Like, you just need to give them some more help. Well, you say it all the time. They, they have people in New York. How well, is it that? I mean, give, give them some more help. I said, I'm not going to get angry. I'm gonna get, how is it that CBS can call Gene Steratore all day Saturday and all day Sunday? And he has the answers, but no one working for the NFL can call New York. Maybe they should give him Gene Steratore's number. Ryan, you've said it a thousand times. I think, I think the NFL has Gene Steratore's number. They drink pina coladas and watch the games and throw darts to decide the calls. That's my bit. With, uh, that's yeah, that's bit, but it, it still holds. All right. I'm not getting angry. I'm not getting angry about it. All right, uh, and see. also about this game, let's not forget. Let's give a shout out to Tony Romo for correctly predicting the you score stuff. in the first quarter and going, Jim, this is a defensive battle. I this feels like a game that's going to end 24 uh, 20. He said that when the score was zero to zero with oh. about six minutes left in the first quarter. And of course, because he is Romo Stradamus, it ended up being 24 20. What? Um, give me a percentage of now the Bills actually winning home field advantage because of this game. Uh, it's got to be pretty high. 
67 percent high uh, uh um whoa <laughs> um over under 67 percent. i couldn't think of over under mm, I'll, I'll say uh i think i'll say over but not by much i think 70 is probably about right i mean the, the reality is you know that tiebreaker over kansas city is just going to allow them to you know just just going to keep pace uh, with, yeah, with but the thing is, like we all, but all it, it just helps. They're one game ahead of every single team in the conference. Like usually, you're tied with someone at this point, or uh, you were just never one full game ahead of every single team six at least right. through six, six weeks. Right. Okay. By the way, Sean Heiser says that Ryan is going QAnon about NFL refs, which that's actually true. R and on. All right, let's move on. The Jets twenty-seven, the Packers ten. A stunning outcome in Lambeau Field. The Jets 17-point win over the Packers matches the largest win by any team at Lambeau Field over the Packers when Aaron Rodgers played the entire game. The Packers have lost consecutive games in the regular season for the first time in five years. The last time they lost consecutive games, they finished 6-9-1 and one and missed the postseason. I believe Mike McCarthy got fired. That year. Uh, or at least got fired the middle. No, no, I guess it was the middle of the next year where he uh, get canned Brees Hall. Brees had, a, Brees had a monster game last two weeks, or excuse me, last first three weeks, they weren't really feeding him in New York. Last three weeks, 20 carries per game, or 20 touches per game, excuse me, 132 scrimmage yards and three touchdowns. He's the first Jets rookie with a rushing touchdown in three straight games since 1984. And man, he looked awesome. And, Is that Freeman McNeil? Do you have in front of you? I don't. Okay. Let's go with Freeman okay. McNeil. I feel like that's an awesome one. Go ahead. Keep going. No, you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, did you guys see Aaron Rodgers' comments post-game, which were very sort of metaphysical? Uh, yeah. No. He said, we've got to watch our language and the kind of energy that we're manifesting. But I'm going to be steady with the guys, talking about the players, and I expect our leadership to do the same. And the implication, um, at least reading the athletic post-game by Matt Schneidman, is that at points during the week, Matt LaFleur wasn't exactly – positive uh, about the 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 mindset coming in this game in, in part because Robert Salas is best friend in part because his brother's on the coaching staff for the Jets and that perhaps maybe had something uh, to do with it LaFleur actually said during the week ultimately you hate beating up on your buddy in this league but it is what it is and I think that perhaps for reading the tea leaves Aaron Rodgers took issue with that um, well and also worth noting that Rodgers last week after the game was asked about um, looking ahead like they yep. lost to the Giants. He was asked about looking ahead. I was like, I don't want to. He's like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to answer that because I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to think about that. I'm going to tell those guys that sort of body language, that sort of mental approach is not uh, acceptable. And and, and I know, get that we, as a veteran leader. But well, that's because some of his teammates had said, "Oh, we'll be fine. We'll beat the Jets next week." Yeah, but this is also the guy that ran Mike McCarthy out of town, and has you know been described as prickly by some of his former teammates. So I don't know. I, I get it. I don't know if any of that mattered once the game started. I think the takeaway for me is that the Jets are better than we thought they were, and uh, the Packers are worse than we thought they were. Um, Aaron Rodgers didn't look great; he got beat up a lot, and that seems to be a recurring theme over the course of uh, the first, you know, six weeks or so of the season. It's the third time this season the Packers have not scored 15 points That's in a, a game. That is a huge problem. And it's not even that they're worse than we thought they were; it's just their offense is like a thousand times worse than we thought they were going to be. And I think a lot of people assume they were going to take a step back. You lose Devontae Adams when he's getting 170 targets. Where are those 170 targets going when Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust any of his receivers? Uh, what are you supposed to do? And it feels like Robert Sala 
really he said his thought process seemed to be you know what Aaron Rodgers doesn't like throwing these guys they're gonna try and run the ball a little bit no that didn't work so now Aaron Rodgers has to throw 41 passes when he hates throwing to everyone on the team and that of course is not going to work and the Packers were a special teams disaster I mean this was the type of team they had what they had a field goal blocked a punt blocked a punt block for a touchdown yeah. A punt block for a touchdown. I believe they were the first team since the Packers in the playoffs against the 49ers to have a field goal blocked and a punt block for a touchdown. So they did also block a punt, but they didn't score a touchdown off of it. Uh, someone in the comments asked, what was Jair's uh, comments uh, coming into this week? And he said last week that he wasn't worried about the defense after the loss to the Giants, but would be if the Packers lost the following week, the following week being today on Sunday. So that sort of led to all the other conversations we had about the Aaron Rodgers remarks and then LaFleur and all that. And, and that's Jair implying uh, we're good as long as we beat the Jets. You know, like we should beat the Jets. Yeah. And, they and did, they then, did of not. course, they did not. And they got smoked. And so, Prince, <laughs> you, you always bring up the uh, the, the concern scale. Uh, what, what's our concern rate with the Packers on a scale of one to ten? Nine and a half. Yeah. I mean, that ain't even over-exaggerating. And Brinson likes to exaggerate. I mean, it's, it's probably more like a six and a half or seven, if I'm being like, realistic, just because you see. No, it, it, it's not. It's nine and a half. This okay. team is playing so poorly that not even Brinson will put them in the Hall of Fame. That's how bad they're playing. <laughs> this is the fourth time in Aaron Rodgers' career. He started three and three in 2008. He missed the playoffs. In 2010, he won the Super Bowl. 2012, lost the divisional round. And obviously, we don't know what is going to happen with them here. I mean, the the one thing you could say, too, though, is like, you know, it's possible that the Jets and Giants are much better than we think they are. It's also possible the Packers should have taken their bye after coming back from London. We, we discussed that coming to the week. It's like that's a dangerous spot for Green Bay. No bye. You're bringing the Jets in. This is a coaching staff, as you mentioned, that has an intimate knowledge of what Green Bay likes to do on offense um, and, and really like their philosophy. Rodgers doesn't have you know, the, the offensive line is not great this year. The running game was non-existent for him against the Jets. Quentin Williams was an absolute monster in this game, by the way. he I believe he blocked the field goal, didn't he? Blocked he did. the field goal. He field goal it was just all over Rodgers in the backfield. Um, you know, if, it's, if he's – like, that's such an intriguing – Sort of possible breakout if he's if he's if he's morphing into you know a dominant player <laughs> and, and you know, so far this season he, he definitely has been. It's like if he's if he's that good and Sauce Gardner is going to be this good, you know this defense has a lot more juice, especially with Robert Sala calling the plays. By the way, Sauce Gardner after the game, I'm sure you saw this, uh, grabbed a cheese head and was walking around the uh, was leaving Lambeau Field with a cheese head on his head. Al Lazard ran up to and knocked it off his head um, in an act of defiance. This is like the uh, T.O. at the Dallas Star situation. By the way, Victor Garcia makes a, a good point. Another dunk button situation for Brinson. The Giants didn't take their bye after the London game, and they beat the crap out of the Baltimore Ravens today. Oh, they wouldn't say they beat the crap out of them. I added that as for a little flourish at the end there. I, I want to ask you guys about this. Fourth and 14th, fourth quarter, 9-12 to go on the clock. Uh, the Jets are whooping the Packers' ass 24-10. to uh, Green Bay goes from their own 30-yard line. Or maybe from the other 30. Where did they go for it for him? I have plus 30 down here. I'm going to assume that it was the uh, Jets' 30-yard line. Um, is, is that something you want to do on 4th and 14? Down 14 points with nine minutes to go? That feels Oh, it's the Jets' 37, yeah. Yeah, okay. So they, that was right. The plus 30. It, it felt, well, it felt like... 
Oh, it kind of felt like a now or never situation, but yeah, that's even with nine minutes to go. The the fun, I mean, the ball fell incomplete, so it didn't matter. But insult to injury, there was also offensive holding, which felt about right given how this game unfolded. Uh, And they were going for it on fourth and fourteen, even though they only had one play in the entire game that went longer than fourteen yards. Yeah, that's that's. that's I mean, the the lack of Adams has just killed the explosiveness in this. As Brenton used to say, and he hasn't said in quite a while, uh, desperation is a what is it? Stinky, stinky stinky cologne. Stinky cologne. (laughs) You know the. We always talk about how Aaron Rodgers kind of checks out. If Billy, he, write that one down. Desperation is a stinky cologne from Super. If he gets frustrated, or if he starts to get frustrated, and I don't know that we necessarily saw that. But do you think? What if this team loses a couple more games against teams they probably should be beating? Uh, you know, like they have the Commanders. You know, what if they got upset by the Commanders or the Lions? They play in the next. Oh, they're at Commanders, at Bills, at Lions. Three game road trip coming up. Let me ask you this, just a completely hypothetical simulation theory, alternate universe, galaxy brain stuff. Would both these teams be better? <clears throat> Let's assume they have just two weeks to prepare. They'll know the, the playbook. But what happens if you trade Tom Brady to the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to the to the Buccaneers? Are those teams better? Fresh start, veteran quarterbacks that are almost certainly never going to play again <laughs> after, they, after the, their last game in week 18 or whatever it is? Well, um, that's a good question. I think that Aaron Rodgers probably benefits the most because the offensive line is struggling with injuries in Green Bay. But they I both think Brady could make the most out of with, with like a crappy group of wide that's receivers. That's true. But they both those quarterbacks, to Breach's point, seem to have checked out to some who, degree. Who says if, if if the if the deal gets in place and both guys have a no trade clause, who exercises their no trade clause first? I think it's probably Brady. I don't uh, think Brady wants to be anywhere near Green Bay. He picked to live in Florida for a reason. Yeah, the cold yeah. weather. I think Aaron Rodgers is, is peacing out. Aaron, Ra- Aaron Rodgers on the first flight out of Green Bay. If uh, that Ro- Rodgers and the Packers are also two and a half games back of the Vikings in the division. Tom Brady's still in first in their division, and and it's not like anybody looks. Also, the big the big loser right now uh, in in the uh, NFC North, Mike Zimmer. He gets fired the the exact moment that Aaron Aaron Rodgers and this offense goes in the tank, and you see. Uh, Kirby Cousins wearing bling today after their victory. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, more Sunday recap. Next. Giants 24, Ravens 20. Another. Hey, quickly, one more thing. We, need to, we, we do this all the time. Are the Jets the second best team in that division? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The AFC East is good. I think they're the second best team in that division. I still like the Dolphins, and I know the Jets beat them 40 to 17, but that game was a lot closer. Tua didn't play. You had Teddy Bridge. They were on their third quarterback, and the the Dolphins still had that close okay. late in the second half. 
I mean, you, you, Mac Jones, could, okay. you could certainly make the argument that it is the Jets. All right. I don't, I don't think I would. All right. What's next? We said the Jet, Giants game? 24, Ravens yeah. 20. The Ravens blew their third double-digit lead this season. The defense just can't stop anybody, it doesn't feel like, uh, when they need to. Lamar, 17 to 32 for 210, a touchdown and a pick. Yeesh. Kenny Drake, 10 carries, 119 yards and a touchdown. Clearly, uh, J.K. Dobbins bothered or, or on some kind of pitch count. Uh, Daniel Jones, 19 to 27, 173 yards and two touchdowns. And Saquon Barkley continued his resurgent season with 83, 22 carries, 83 yards and a touchdown. Nothing super explosive, but a good running, a good job running the football nonetheless. Um, Baltimore's up 20 to 10 with when Mark Andrews caught a pass from Lamar Jackson with 12.54 to go in the game. And just promptly gave up two straight uh, touchdown drives to to the Giants, which I mean, I mean, twelve plays, seventy five yards, and obviously they had an interception, three plays, eight yards for that final score. But it's like, if you're supposed to be a great team, which the Ravens in theory should be, this sort of stuff is just inexcusable. The Ravens could very easily be five and one, probably six and zero. Oh. Go back two weeks ago, they pissed that game away against the Bills because we talked about it. On fourth, they go for it on fourth down, and Lamar Jackson does the worst thing possible. He throws a t- a, an interception in the, the freaking end zone. So instead of being uh, first and five, you know, first and ninety-five yards to go or whatever it was for the Bills, they get the ball to twenty. Uh, last week, they Lamar missed a bunch of wide open receivers, and they needed Justin Tucker to save them in the last seconds against the Bengals. And this week, you, you sort of touched on it. There was the bobble snap. Lamar picked it up, threw a terrible interception. Uh, that led to points for the Giants. And then on the next drive, uh, he gets strip-sacked by uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, and and they recover, the Giants do. Uh, and they go on to score there to make it 24-20. Um, and look, <clears throat> credit to this Giants team. They get down, but they they don't quit. And they quit almost on every opportunity last year with Joe Judge. It's not sustainable being down by 10 points every week, but they're finding ways to do it, and, and they're playing smart. You talk about Saquon. The Ravens tried to let him score with 117 to go in the fourth quarter, and they were the the Giants up 24-20. And my man falls down at the one yard line. I mean, it's wide open, jumping to the end zone, very easy. What breach. Now I'm glad you brought that up because John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh's been making some perplexing decisions this year. And this was absolutely one of them. The Ravens are down 24 to 20, and he's over there saying, let's let them score the touchdown. Let's let them get this. You have the 11 points. Like, why would you want them? But guess what? If you hold them to a three and out here, the Ravens had all three of their timeouts and, and the Giants were intent on just running up the gut and uh, taking their field goal. If they you go run, 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 timeout, 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 Giants kick a field goal, you're down 27 to 20 and you have the ball with 55 seconds left with a chance to go tie it. And instead, Harbaugh's telling his team to let them get the first down and or, or let them get the touchdown. And Saquon goes down at the one. And once he had the first down, the, the Ravens timeouts didn't matter because the Giants were able to run out the clock. So I have no idea why the Ravens didn't try to stop the Giants before they got the first down. Yeah, yeah. it was it was it, that was weird. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking about Saquon falling down and, and just keeping the ball and not trying to get into the end zone. The, the score and maybe John Harbaugh was doing what I was doing, just not paying attention. Uh, of course, my job is not to pay attention on every single play for the Ravens. That is his job. Breach, you want to discuss uh, perhaps the most amazing thing of the whole entire week, Justin Tucker missing a field goal. Oh, my God. Why would I want to discuss that? It was heartbreaking. He, it was just made me sad. There was a tear. And that's one of those things that happen uh, with just when odd things start happening for the Ravens. And this is one of them. He had not missed a field goal since November 11th, 2021. He almost made it a full calendar year. Came within three weeks, 
had a 56-yarder bounce off the upright uh, and just one of those days where the Ravens just kept making uncharacteristic mistakes, whether it was the two turnovers that Brenton mentioned in the fourth quarter with Lamar Jackson's interception and his fumble. Justin Tucker. Those, those are pretty good uh, job by Kayvon Thibodeau, who looks like a potential stud. Yeah, but here's the thing. Um, the previous series, the interception, that was the Giants' first interception of the year. So it was a terrible throw. And by the way, when they scored in the fourth quarter, early in the fourth quarter, uh, Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews make it 20 to 10. It was the delay of game where the clock had went down to zero, another beat, and another beat and a half, it felt like. And Brian Dable was going crazy. Again, it's one of these stupid plays where all you have to do is say, if the clock hits zero, it's delay a game. We don't need the, the the referee or the official, whoever's job it is, looking up, seeing what's going on. It's just, that's just how, they, that's how they've done it. Here's the thing. We don't do that in basketball. So, like, let's do that in basketball then. Let's just say, oh, when the when the shot clock's at zero, have the referee look up and see if the guy shot the ball. What if the referee has, like, an electrical thing on his wrist that shocks him and no. then the whistle's in his mouth, so he goes... He like it makes him blow his whistle. Right, here's something you can do. You can put like rocket boosters on his not. put rocket boosters on his feet. And if he doesn't get the call right, the rocket boosters go off and launch him into space. I bet I guarantee you'll never miss a delay a game again. But anyway, the, the point is like space. he might like space. He might maybe it's uh Elon Musk. Who knows? Uh but the point is that they the Ravens weren't gifted that touchdown. It was a nice play. It was they were helped, they were aided by the the miss by the officials to make it 20 to 10 in a game that they eventually blew anyway. So it didn't matter. Giants are now five and one in one possession games this season. That's right. Every single one of their six games have been decided by eight points or less. They're the only team in the NFL this year to have each of their games be decided by eight points or less. They were three and three in one possession games last year and have now surpassed their win total from last season already. Brian Dable is a should be a massive favorite to be coach of the year right now, right? Maybe Robert Sala is up there, too. What does this say about are you happy or not happy if you're a Giants fan now knowing that you're going to have to keep Daniel Jones? I don't think you're that upset about it. I'm winning with Daniel Jones. I'm happy. Then he'll get two years. He'll, he'll have the same coach for multiple years and can who actually knows what he's doing. By the way, Daniel Jones, uh, fourth game-winning drive this season. Career high, four game-winning drives this season. That's really impressive. In, in and they keep the pressure on him to a minimum. And it, it seems like he enjoys play. You know, he, he did well on that game-winning drive. There was a third and four. Uh, I think the Giants were on their own 30 or 31 yard line. And it was just like, all right, is the moment too big for Daniel Jones? This was on, uh, this was in the fourth quarter after the Ravens had just taken, uh, scored a touchdown on their drive and taking a 20 to 10 lead. So like if they don't convert here, the game's probably over. And what does Daniel Jones do? He throws an 18 yard pass and was just like, all right, Daniel Jones, maybe this guy's for real. Danny dimes. By the way, let's just let's not forget to point out. Like I'm not. I mean, we we buried Daniel Jones plenty, so I'm not. I don't want to be like hypocritical about it. But um, here's the list of coaches he had before this season: head coach Pat Shermer and offensive coordinator Mike Shula, head Mm. coach Joe Judge and offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, Mm. head coach Joe Judge, offensive coordinators Jason Garrett and Freddie Kitchens. Like when you start to think about it, like you know, you sort of really put that into place. And he made some mistakes earlier. Dable's clearly worked with him. Just saying that, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I um, was playing devil's advocate with that question. I think as a Giants fan, you'd be more than happy to have Daniel Jones back. I think so too. All right, let's move on to the Bengals. Thirty Saints, twenty-six. Joe Burrow in his last two games in New Orleans has thrown for seven hundred sixty-three yards and is responsible for eight touchdowns, eight of them passing, two of them rushing. He rolled up into the Superdome in uh, Jamar Chase's, I believe it was like the actual jersey from the 
from from Jamar Chase's national championship game. Uh, he and Chase had a big old game. Burrow uh, finished the day with. I've lost my place on my, there it is. Uh, he finished the day with two, 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 28 to 37. Chase had seven catches for 132 yards and two touchdowns. Saints, I mean, obviously scored 26, but, um, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a, uh, didn't feel like a superb offensive effort from Andy Dalton and company, 17 to 32, 162 yards and a touchdown. Now, finally, Andy Dalton has lost to the Bengals for the first time in his career reach. Thank God. Because for a second, I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought Dalton was going to pull a rabbit out of his head. Is that what they say now? Out of his red head, the red rifle. Uh, This game was insane. This is exactly what I would expect from an Andy Dalton versus the Bengals game. I knew there was no way Cincinnati was going to blow this out. And, you know, I I think some people thought that because New Orleans was missing Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, uh, Marshawn Lattimore out in the secondary, which is huge when you're playing a team like the Bengals. And Jarvis so, Landry, Jarvis Landry. So the Saints were missing some big names on both sides of the ball. And after about three possessions, it was like, oh, my God, the Bengals cannot take advantage of any of this. The, the Saints are doing a lot of what the Ravens did, and they're going to make the Bengals dink and dunk everything to score points. And Joe Burrow is going to have to be patient. So uh, this was a pretty crazy game. Uh, the Bengals struggled a little bit early uh, at the Trent Taylor, I think fumbled a punt and then the saints turned around and scored very first drive, very first drive. Saints scored three plays later on a Dalton touchdown pass. And it was just like, Oh my God, it's going to be that kind of day. And then you know what? Joe Burrow did what Joe Burrow does. I mean, well, it's funny you say that because um, I was watching that and I thought Andy Dalton was going to Andy Dalton it up. It wasn't entirely his fault, but four minutes to go in the fourth quarter saints are up 26, 21, Burrow gets sacked twice in a row to make it fourth and 20. They have to settle for a field goal with, uh, like I said, around four minutes ago. I thought, okay, this is it. And then Burrow hooks up with uh, Jamar Chase. They, you know, make magic happen. Bada bing, bada boom. They're three and three. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what happened. And when McPherson hit that 52 yarder, it really felt that was the first time I was like, okay, I think the Bengals are going to win. Cause the Saints, like Brinson kind of alluded to, their, their offense kind of struggled in this game. Yeah, they had a few big moments, definitely had a few big plays. Um, there was a 40-40-yard touchdown run, and just they kept they, – they did enough to stay in this game, and they, they were good at slowing down what the Bengals were doing. And then, obviously, the Jamar Chase touchdown to win the game was just insane. For Chase to kind of just catch an out route, go up the sideline, and turn into a 60-yard touchdown was just bonkers. Is the uh, offensive line playing better? Uh, I, I mean, you just mentioned a fourth quarter sack where Joe Burrow lost a bunch back of yards back and back. forced them to kick a 52 yard field goal. So not as I mean, Burrow got sacked three times. He was under pressure a lot. It wasn't ideal, uh, but it's better in the sense that he didn't get sacked six times or seven. Right, let, times. Me, let me revisit this question. I think I know your answer, but just in case, are you trading Panay for Jamar Chase or are you still staying staying the course? Keeping Jamar Chase forever. Yeah, All right. Did you ask him if Zach uh, Taylor's a good coach or two? No, I didn't ask him that. Zach Taylor looks like he's been working out. He looked pretty good in his little black shirt there, but is he a good coach, Breach? Same thing I say every week. Saints no went. Knows. Sometimes he's the best coach. Sometimes he doesn't look like the best coach. The Saints went one of five in the red zone. Yes. Thanks, Andy Dalton. That's not going to that, that is why they lost the game. Yeah, I mean, they could have easily – I mean, you look at the stats, it's a pretty even game. They, they were up 
I believe most of the game, right? I mean, yep. Yeah. Pretty substantial lead, 23-14. And then, I mean, it's got to be, you, you know, they were missing Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore and a bunch of other dudes. It's just. Yeah, the Bengals didn't hold any leads in this game until the Jamar Chase touchdown catch with 157 left. Yeah. I mean, Joe Burrow likes to close out, and he closed out. Huge Four touchdowns, three, three, three passing and one rushing. I would be remiss if we did not mention that. Thank you for not being remiss. I wouldn't want to be remiss. Frequently remiss, so good job by you, Breach. Steelers 20, Bucks 18. Like, Game of the year, if you ask me. Survivor. Adios, amigos. Survivor pools. Uh, by the way, just total, I mean, bloodshed in Survivor. If the Rams had somehow lost to the Panthers, it was going to be insane. Um, I think that the Circo, by like the the afternoon game starting, 45% of the remaining 700 people in the Circo, uh, the millions, had lost had lost their entries. Um, Steelers-Bucks was a big one. With the Steelers taking down Tom Brady to the score of twenty to eighteen, uh, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett actually got hurt in this one. He's in concussion protocol. Mr. Trubisky came in, and I mean, Rhett Wilson, Mr. Trubisky played pretty well on short notice, didn't he? Oh my he? God, he was dealing. He looked like Josh. Like I'm not even kidding. He looked like seventy eight percent of Josh Allen uh, at the time he was out there. I mean, nine for twelve for one forty four and a quarter and a half of work. That's that's some some slinging on this terrible. Matt Canada offense. Um, Kevin Dotson, the, the left guard. I think that Brinson and or Breach would have played left guard better today than he did. He had three holding calls, including the one that got Kenny Pickett concussed. Like he was such a bad at, at holding that he couldn't hold the guy long enough not to get Kenny Pickett body slammed. So that has to be fixed. We're talking about the Bengals offensive line. The Steelers offensive line has been a concern for a while. But, man, I give Mr. Bisky credit. He came in there and he was absolutely slinging. He had completions. This is insane to me for a team that didn't score a first quarter touchdown uh, until the very first drive of this game on Sunday this season. But here's the Steelers today with Mr. Trubisky were five of seven on third downs. They converted a third and 15, a third and 13, a third and six, a third and 11, and a third and 15. I mean, you could play in all the other infinite universes that we currently reside in. That didn't happen to any of those other universes in this game today. This is the only one. So we're, we're witnessing Something truly special. And two of those were on the final drive. Like to Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool has been non-existent all year. Nine and touchdowns as a rookie, two last year. Didn't have one until today. And it was like third and six and third and 11, I think, those two, where it's like because the third Bucks, and 11 and third and 15. The Bucks were, uh, yeah, it was a third and 11, third and 15. I thought it was a third and six, too. But the point being is that the Bucks were down. I mean, you know, they were. it was a close, low-scoring game most of the entire game. Bucks are down 13-12. Steelers, uh, Trubisky hits Claypool for a touchdown. They're up 20-12. to um, And then the Bucks get the touchdown with Tom Brady to learn for net. They fail on the two-point conversion. And it was like, just get, you know, as someone who's rooting for the Bucks for survivor purposes, it was like, just get a stop on this third down. It's not Mitch. Stop Mitch on third down. Go kick a field goal. Get out of there with a win. And it's just, I mean, really bad loss for the Bucks, as you can see if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six. Smash the like button. If you're watching on YouTube and haven't already, also just like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady three and three, the worst start uh, in his career through six games, for the fourth time in his uh, illustrious career. 2002 missed the playoffs, it's second year, uh, except first year as a starter. Really, first year as the starter in week one. Anyway, 2005 they lost in the divisional round. 2015 lost in the conference championship, uh, and then this year, obviously, we don't know what will happen. Um, by the way, the six million we're talking about—that's not. I didn't have the. I didn't have the bucks in that one. We had the Eagles in that one. So that's six million dollars still on the table. 
Yeah, this is a terrible loss. Absolutely terrible loss for the, the Buccaneers. I think Breach, you mentioned earlier, they're still in first place in their division. I don't know if that matters because when you look at what they've done, um, and let's look quickly here, they can't score points. They look like Matt Canada is coordinating up that offense. So their last, they scored uh, 15, excuse me, 21 against the Falcons. Is that right? Yeah, yeah they were they were leading pretty, like, they scored. Against, yeah, 21 against the Falcons, 31 against the Chiefs the, the week before that they lost that game. They scored 12 against the, the Packers. Um, they scored 20 against the well, I remember the 31 against the Chiefs was like a lot of garbage time too. Saints, that's right. And 19 in the season opener against the Cowboys. So this team isn't putting up points. And you can say, well, Michael Gallup, or, or excuse me, um, Godwin was hurt for a while. He's back now. Okay, everyone has injuries. That's not gonna fly. This this offense is I think it has I mean, concern. You, you, it's I think it's partly partially the offensive line, but it's also like I mean, but, but we we didn't give Bruce Arians enough credit for you know. I mean, Bruce Arians is pushing the envelope in terms of no risk and no biscuit, and now you you know you have a defensive coach running things. I mean, that's a it's a different. Well, I mean, Byron Leftwich is still there, and I think Tom Brady probably has some say in the play calling. I think I think Tom Brady, maybe all the off field stuff is catching up with him as well, but he just doesn't sure. feel like Tom Brady. He wasn't at the team's walkthrough on Saturday because he went oh. to Robert Kraft's wedding. Yeah, thank you. Let, let me Ooh. let me mention this because um, um, my buddy Adam Gretz. I don't know if you. I think Brice, you, uh, Brice, you might work with him at Fan House back in the day, but he's a Steelers, yeah, fight, Steelers fan, um, and he tweeted this out. And I, I think it's a fantastic point. If any other quarterback skipped his team's walkthrough and arrived the day of the game to attend a former owner's wedding and then crapped the bed during the game, they would be absolutely vilified. <laughs> remember, when, remember when Romo and Witten went to um, uh, was it uh, somewhere in the Caribbean before the like in the playoff game with the bye week? Oh, vaguely. But I mean, there was the the boat gate with the the Giants players. Odell was on the boat. Yeah, yep. no one's no one seems to. I mean, he, he the man also missed eleven days during training camp. I mean, they, they went to they went to Cabo. That's right. Yeah. Well, and to, the thing is, like, do you think that you know when Tom Brady's your quarterback and you're winning games, everything's fine. But when you're treating a player, obviously, you know he's going to be treated a little bit differently. But when he's getting treating so much differently. Do you think that any of the players think about, it, especially after a loss like this, where like, uh, it wasn't, wasn't the walkthrough and he looked horrible on Sunday? And no, is that no, true? Only, only because like he's the greatest player of all time and he brought them a Super Bowl ring. It, but wait, you guys on this roster have a Super Bowl ring because of Tom Brady. Yeah, there's Odell back That's on the boat if you're watching YouTube. Is it true that Tom Brady didn't show up until Sunday morning for this game? Or was I think he got there Saturday night. Okay. Um, no, I, Britson, I'm pushing back against that. Like Peyton Manning's not doing that. And Peyton well, Manning. Got some got you know got his teammates uh, a Super Bowl ring in, in Denver if you want to say that of course he retired right after that so there was no opportunity to, to sort of big time it but I, I think this is extenuating circumstances I said all the time is Tom Brady doing this in New England hell no hell no he's he's sitting on on, on the uh, the the Bull Durham bus with Bailey Zappi and, and sucking it up like everyone and, else and also if Robert Kraft sent an invitation to Belichick do you think he even responded? knowing that the wedding was going to be in, I know it was a surprise wedding, but I'm sure Kraft said something to Belichick because you're not going to get married behind your head coach's back. And Belichick would have certainly said, yeah, uh, send me like, uh, hey, Bob, questions. listen, I'm really excited for you. You know, uh, love Dana. She's fantastic. Um, uh, obviously we Here's have the Browns and I, well, I, right. I, I won't be there. Yeah. I'll send my, we send our best. Uh, you know, here's a gift for the good Fridays. I would bet everything I own that Bill Belichick was not there. Okay. 
All right, I buy, I, I buy it, but then I don't want to see a picture. So you, I don't want you. To I didn't even know that. Um, lose everything. I didn't know Kraft was dating this uh, lovely uh, woman. Why would you know that? Dana Bloomberg. I don't know. I think to feel like Kraft. They started dating in 2019. How old is she? 47. 47. For she's younger than me. Well, slightly better looking. I'll give her that. And she's a doctor, whereas you are not. <laughs> I'm a doctor. Junior draft coverage. All right. Yeah, big win for the Steelers. That's how you dunk on Fine. Can they win the AFC North? They're only one game out of first place. Oh, of course. They're right in the mix. I don't think they're – I think the Browns are a worse team as we sit here. That'll presumably change when Deshaun comes back if he's not too rusty. But it's a fun win. Like, a, zero expectations and, you know, breach. No disrespect. But who, I'm would sure you, who would you, you take? How, who would you take right now to win? I would say Bengals right now. Ugh, God. Uh, yeah. Only because the Ravens – can't get out of their own way. You're make the playoffs if the season started today. Breach, but sure. Keep on. What? It'd be the eighth seed. Uh, yeah, how concerned on a scale of one to ten are you about the, the Tampa Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Uh, exact, uh, a little bit lower than the Packers. Really? I think it's higher. It'd be a no. much easier division. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not talking about just getting to the playoffs. They're going to get to the playoffs going to lose by 50 points. I don't I think mean, they're going to lose by 50. Okay. Even is good. They'll, 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 let's see. Let's see. Let's see how they kind of put it together of the, the second half of the season. Are they good? They just got Mr. Biscuit. I think they lost on the road to. Uh, there was a lot of weird games today. There's a lot of weird games every, every week. week right. Yeah. Maddening. I mean, there's what? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams in the entire league that are that are better than three and oh. I love that Billy doesn't even say move on. He just says pivot. <laughs> he, he's, he knows it. Maybe things move on. Is move on doesn't work anymore. Yeah. All right. Pivot. Well done, Mr. Biscay. You get the game ball. Falcons game 28, ball. 49ers 14. Again, weird games. Talk about the, uh, you know, can the Steelers win the uh, AFC North? Can the Falcons win the NFC South? Yes. They can. Three and three. Tie, tie with Tim at the top. Obviously, Tim has the. I'll just say this quickly. Last year, we made fun of the Falcons for winning seven games by a total of seven points or whatever. At least they're winning these games convincingly. Like this was a big win. They were up fourteen nothing, got tied, and they scored the last two touchdowns. So, yeah. Falcons also six and zero against the spread. Oh, there you go. Dang. Nice timing. Only um, team in the NFL that's still unbeaten against the spread. I think. I remember was it last year or two years ago where we decided we have to apologize to Arthur Smith because he was way better at his job than we thought. Yeah, I think last we got to double down and now like get an Arthur Smith tattoo because this guy has completely revived Marcus Mariota's career. And granted, they did have time together. They were in Tennessee together at the same time. So they're already... Marcus Mariota's career died while he was his offensive coordinator. Not really. In Tennessee, they replaced him. He wasn't the offensive coordinator until Ryan Tannehill was a starter. So he never really got a chance to utilize... really? Marcus Mariota. And so what he did, he completely redesigned the Falcons' offense. And this thing has just been... Nobody knows what to do. I mean, they're just running all these little read options. Mariota actually keeps it because a lot of times people don't buy it because you don't think the quarterback's going to keep it because no one wants to see their quarterback get splattered on a hit by a defensive player. And no, Mariota's like, no, I don't care. I'll run it. Uh, six carries, 50 yards, and a touchdown. 13 of 14 for 129 yards. The guy only threw one incomplete pass. And he's doing this week in and week out. The Falcons have looked good. Uh, the Saints, they were beating the Saints week one, 26 to 10. Blew the lead. So this team could easily be four and two. Uh, we all know what happened to the Buccaneers last week with the roughing the passer. Maybe they win that game if the roughing the passer is not called. 
So, I, I mean, I think this team is better than we think. And that, you know, you just asked if they could win the NFC South. I say, why not, Brinson? I say, why better? By the way, by the way Breach, uh, Marcus Mariota started six games in 2019 before he was benched midway through the season for Ryan Tannehill in the first year that Arthur Smith was offensive coordinator. Six games together. That's not a I said they really didn't have any time against He. He got benched while Arthur Smith was the offensive coordinator. Like is this in Arthur Smith's first year as an offensive coordinator. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. In other words, can. my point that Arthur Smith was running the offense in Marcus Mariota's career, Marcus Mariota's career died is accurate. It didn't die that season, though. You just said it got revived. That's it what was it on, ended. It was on life support. It's it been dead for two today. years. All right, listen, let, let's let's not get hung up on, on this. Brinson won that one. You lost, Breach. Just take what? it. Is I this personally, I wouldn't take this level of disrespect. You don't have a choice. Uh is this Falcons team <laughs> better with Mariota than, than Matt Ryan? Yeah, yeah, because they could do this stuff that Arthur Smith wants I to think do. So too. And you can't do that with Matt Ryan. I will say that this feels a little different to Breach's point. Uh, like the, the one of the touchdowns they scored early in the game, the the they scored it actually late in the first quarter. Uh Jeff Wilson fumbled. At the 21-yard line, AJ Terrell picked it up, tried to dive across the end zone, got knocked out like at the one. And typically, a typical Falcons team, that ball goes out of the back of the end zone and it goes back to the 49ers. But Jalen Hawkins jumped on it. The ball took a weird bounce and that it didn't go straight out of bounds. It actually stayed inbounds. And he wasn't out of bounds when he touched it. Um, so it saved him that stupid touchback rule. And that sort of feels like the Falcons' season as a microcosm in one play because typically, like we've said, they they've been sort of, pseudo laughing stocks and now they've sort of found ways to win and add a bonus as i noted uh, mentioned in slack arthur smith will buy you a beer if you help him win a football game love it selly beers good deal um interesting schedule coming up for atlanta at the Bengals. oh look at that arthur smith pounded bud lights in the locker room you'd love to see it a lot of coach who pounds the bud which lights. as we talked about on my pick show brenton i really like the falcons to cover I thought you say you really like Bud Light. <laughs> I like Bud, Bud Light. So they have the Bengals. They're at Cincinnati, and they're like six and a half point dogs. Breach loves the, uh, the the Falcons against the spread. Then they have the Panthers at home, the Chargers at home, at the Panthers, Bears at home, at the Commanders, Steelers at home. Well, they're losing the Steelers game, but I think they win all the other games. I mean, those seven games, like I don't think it's crazy to say they could go four and three. Yeah. I'm not going to push back on that. Yeah. Four and three. I mean, five and two is not out of the question. Okay, yeah. Let's, let's if, you get, if you get four, three or five and two, I mean, they should beat the Panthers twice. Panthers are really bad. You get the Chargers in Atlanta for the classic uh, West Coast game that kicks off at 10 a.m. Bears have no offense. The Commanders have Carson Wentz. The chat wants to know if I can pound Bud Light like that. What do you? Uh, yes. They yeah. Just take one wild guest, people in the chat. Yeah. I can put that. Yeah. Let me do it this way. He and a teetotaler. I mean, I so you're drink. telling me there's a chance. There's a big chance. Yeah, I can put down some Bud Light. All right, but yeah, big win for the Falcons. Uh, I think to your overall point, Brinson, I don't know if this tells us much about the 49ers. They didn't have anyone. Like the defensive line that started in week one, zero of those players on the field because of injury. Um, so, again, a lot of teams are banged up. But, you know, even against a, a, the Falcons are actually three and three. But even against lesser competition, if you don't have your starters out there, unless you're the Steelers, it's, it's incredibly difficult to win football games. There's a three-way tie at top of the NFC West. That's insane. And the best team we'll be talking about shortly. Ooh, that's a tease. Is it the Seahawks or the Rams? All right. You know. Moving along.
No. Patriots 38, Browns 15, Bill Belichick has 324 combined regular season and postseason wins, tied with George Hollis for second most all-time. Only Don Shula, 347, has more. I think Belichick will definitely coach to beat Shula as long as it takes him. And maybe it won't take very long since Bailey Zappi is the new Tom Brady. Mac Jones is getting Drew Bledsoed. Uh, Zappi recorded 100 passer rating his first career start in week five. He was the third rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era to record a passer rating of 100 or higher in each of his first two career starts. Joining any guesses as to who the, the two answers are to this trivia question. What's the question? 100 or better passer rating. In the third rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era to record a passer rating of 100 or higher in each of his first two career starts. Who are the other two quarterbacks to do it? Ben Roethlisberger. Eh. And Andy Dalton. Ding, 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 ding. Is it Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton. No way. It's, it's Dan Marino and Andy Dalton. That's insanity. Uh, I can't believe you guessed Chai, that. please. Chai, please. Oh, my God. CJ with some. It's my favorite. Yeah, the whole yeah. point of the thing, I was, the whole point of the thing was going to be able to, like, Breach wasn't going to know it was Andy Dalton. And I was going to be like, sorry, it's Andy Dalton. You I it. was, of course, joking. I was like, there's no way it's going to be the Red Rifle. And it was the Red Rifle, in fact. Uh, I'll just say this. One of, one of our good buddies who uh, I will say he he's in the Cleveland area. I won't say anything more than that. He texted me as this game was winding down and said, this is a hog screwing. And he didn't use the word screwing, but his, his sentiment was the Browns have found new and inventive ways to lose football games. They shouldn't lose. I didn't watch a lot of this. Um, I did see the first series where Jacoby Brissett threw a terrible interception. And then I saw the subsequent highlights. And this game got out of hand in the fourth quarter, it looked like, just looking at the score. Uh, this I, game got out of hand in the third quarter. I don't know. And I, I said this last week on Cleveland Radio. Like, Deshaun Watson isn't some magic elixir. Like, he hasn't played in two years by the time he gets back. He could be incredibly rusty. And this team is doing the exact opposite of what Cooper Rush is doing for the, the Cowboys. They are unstacking. They're stacking L's. They're not stacking W's. And they're losing games they, they shouldn't lose. I don't even think it's all Jacoby Brissett. He didn't play well today, but I don't know, man. This, this team is remains not good for Cleveland Brownsian reasons. It feels they could like. be five and one. Yep. Are they more disappointing than the Ravens or no? Yes. Uh, much yeah. more disappointing. Oh, okay. All right. Really? Yeah, I mean, they're blowing games. It's not like they still have a talented team. They have Nick Chubb. They have a good offensive line. They have Miles Garrett. They like, the quarterback was the only question mark. They they should have beaten the Falcons. They should have beat. They blew a two touchdown lead in the final two minutes against the Jets. Like, yeah. oh yeah, that's I mean, right. And Joe Flacco. Here's the difference: is I think the Ravens are going to bounce back. Like I still think they will be competing for a playoff spot. I do not think that about the Browns. Yeah, I, I we said we said before the season that's like you know there's also a possibility where if the Browns don't play well leading into Watson, Watson comes back, they have to win X number of games. He might be horrible the first three weeks of the season. He's been doing a totally new offense. You know, he's, he gets to be a little, with the team more than, uh, more than uh, like, Zoom I calls. guess most people would expect. And, you know, he's been injury pretty short. ACL twice in his career, once in college, once in the pros. Like it's not, it's not a surefire thing that Deshaun Watson can come out of nowhere and, and like just for having not played in two years and just be great. Yep, I agree. Um, huge win for the Patriots. It feels like a Patriots win. They're somehow three and three. Handsome Bill Belichick now has 324 wins. Second behind, well, he's tied with George Hallis now. Second behind only Don Shula, 347. So the, 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 
The Patriots schedule is really interesting. Bears at home, at the Jets, Colts at home, Jets at home, at the Vikings. Three and two. Four and one. I think he's I think the I think they're gonna win the next four games. They're gonna split with the Jets. I think no. No what? They're gonna sweep the Jets. No, I, I like three and two. I think I'll go three and two. Yeah, they're not they're not well, the owned the Jets. Yeah, he owns Eric Mangini and Rob Ryan. Uh, Rex Ryan, excuse me, Rob. What are you talking about? Well, no, I did not see Bill turn down the game ball. What happened? What was that? I don't know. They, they I will drop him. it in Slack so you guys can see it. They probably because offered him a game ball, and he said no. Well, That'd be my guess. Happens. Who's forty-one? Uh, that is uh, rookie oh, Brandon Brandon Schooler. Oh, Look at him. Belichick's like, get that ball out of my face, you young man. Yeah, you are cut, sir. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, Show up for work tomorrow. I think I think the Patriots are going to be seven and three by the time they they uh, go to play the Vikings in Minnesota. Okay, Richard, I think three and two. Well, I think you're we'll idiot. find out together. Is uh, what's Mac? Is Mac Jones going to be? What's the? He's out like two or three uh, weeks, right? They're going to stick with Bailey Zappi. No, I don't think they would stick with Bailey Zappi if, if three hundred yards and two touchdowns in his second start. They played against the Browns defense that basically is a bunch of stiffs somehow, even though they have a bunch of really good players. Bailey Zappi is not, and I can't believe I have to say this out loud, he is no McCorkle Jones breach. How dare you even? Are you uh, worried about, you are you worried about this McCorkle, McCorkle Jones, Jones situation? No. His high ankle sprain, which is basically high a... Sprain. It's a It's a break in your ah, leg. Ah, in your ankles. He's high ankle sprain. He's fine. No, um, okay. The defense had only given up more than 300 yards passing in one game prior to this week. This Browns defense stinks, and for you to to uh, suggest otherwise is a pox in your own house. <laughs> Take do you, that. Do you so. remember when the last time the Patriots lost the Jets was? Uh, when Robert Sala wasn't there? 2015. That's a long time ago. Belichick doesn't know the Jets. You know what else? Two, 2015 was the last time the two New York teams had a winning record together this late in the season. That's oh, right. Things Didn't change. have an answer for that, did you? Things Wick. change. That's right. Things change. Take that. Things change, Mox. Except my pancake recipe. It's been the same forever. <laughs> you can't change that. All right. What's next? Well done, Patriots, Browns. Oh, by the way, uh, shout out Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, uh, Garrett is the uh, the all-time sack leader in Browns franchise history. Yeah, only because they started counting sacks halfway through Clay Matthews' senior senior's career. It's still he's, insane that he's like, I mean. 1982. And they only lost by 23 points. All right. Let's take a break, and when we come back, rapid fire through the rest of the games next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. By the way, Nathan Graber McRae says, stop holding Wilson accountable for Mac Jones. No. Wilson pounded the table for Mac Jones. I'm still pounding. What are you talking about? You pounded the table. What are you talking about? You sound like me. Nathan, just so we're clear. Brunson's the man who had Jake Fromm going first overall in his mock draft. In the immediately following the draft. Jake Fromm currently sells insurance. Well, he sold insurance when he came to the NFL. Uh, that, that doesn't make me feel better. All right, rapid fire. Let's go. You go ahead and tell me. Oh, what are we doing? I don't know which games. You I, don't know. I was going to look up your way. Vikings Dolphins is up next. <laughs> He's so vindictive. What would you say, Breach? Vikings Dolphins is on the docket i'm just stopping by to say fire ryan wilson ryan wilson you are the worst i'm not completely sure how uh mr ryan wilson here has a job at cbs well the idiot is finally back (laughs) there is not a single analyst on this planet that is dumber than ryan wilson all right, bro, these mock drafts need to stop so my boy ryan wilson over at cbs sports came out with his latest mock draft Every week, I pray that this guy will make a good mock draft, and he just can't do it. At this point, I could get hired for a freaking CBS Sports. Stay off the weed. <laughs> One of the, the, the only thing that, that binds that group together is that they all have yet to hit puberty. Uh, I enjoy listening to it, but these are a bunch of 13-year-olds that uh, I can't say what I want to say. They don't have girlfriends, I, I would imagine. Vikings 24, Dolphins 16. Teddy Bridgewater was forced into this game. <laughs> forced into the game. I mean, it's so weird. They were, it's like they were over. They were over, over correcting for the Tua stuff on purpose. Like they Tua cleared concussion protocol. They're like, we're not playing him. And then Teddy cleared concussion protocol, but they're like, we can't start him. And you know, obviously, um, Skylar Thompson gets hurt. Uh, he was seven to thirteen for eighty nine yards when he went down. Teddy comes in, and maybe, maybe this is why twenty three to thirty four, three twenty nine, two touchdowns, two picks. But I think I would have rather had Teddy for the full game if I was if I was in charge. Kirk Cousins twenty to thirty, one seventy five, two touchdowns. David Cook thirteen carries, seventy seven yards, and a touchdown long of fifty three. Felt like the. Um, I mean, I guess you know, Minnesota was sort of in control of this game uh, almost the entire way. There's a late. Kind of garbage time touchdown pass from Mike Gusecki, from Teddy Bridgewater to Mike Gusecki. A pretty dominant effort from the Vikings. Yeah, I'll just say real quick: the Dolphins played a lot better than, considering their circumstances, where that both Skyward Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater played in this game. Uh, they were hurt by missed field goal in the first half. Teddy Bridgewater then threw an interception with under thirty seconds left in the first half, which gave the Vikings time to drive down and get a field goal. That was a huge problem. And then uh, there was also one other, uh, the turnover, uh, Jalen Waddle fumbled. It was 16 to 10, and the Dolphins were driving down to possibly take the lead, and he loses the fumble. Vikings go down, score a touchdown, game over. 
So, bad fumble. Yep. Bad mistakes. By but the here's Dolphins. a good thing: like they they have some some get right games in their future. Um, the other schedule in front of them for any Princeton. Princeton, I'll bring it up real quick if you don't. don't they know, have the, uh, They play the the Steelers next. Then the Lions. So they play the, the Steelers. Bears. They host the Steelers. It'll be a thousand degrees in South Florida at the Lions. Breach notes at Chicago, Cleveland, and then you're by. And then after that, they have Houston. So three and three is not a terrible place to be when you don't have your quarterback. Tua comes back next week. You know, fingers crossed. Hopefully, he can stay healthy and you know follow. They can the rest of the world can follow the protocols uh, in the future. But it's three and three. They had an opportunity to the Bengals game. Did they have a chance? Oh, they. That's when Tua got hurt. So. That's yeah. sort of when things flip for them. They started three down. So yeah, I, I mean, it's not a not the way you want to. The last three weeks aren't perfect, but well, but remember they started three and zero, but they had two fluke scores. And again, I'm not trying to dog the the Dolphins. There's just like they had two fluke scores early on again, or, or that first game against the Patriots, that the waddle touchdown and a you know strip sack on the goal line. Um, they had the crazy comeback against the Ravens, and then they sort of stole one from the Bills. Actually, it's not so crazy. The Ravens like to let teams beat them. Yeah, after so so you're saying we have no idea if the Dolphins are actually good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, pretty much. They're fine. Are they get blown out by the Jets. They're, they're not fine. Okay. What do you think the odds are to win the AFC East? Well, they're now the Bills are minus 1,200. So they're the fourth best team in the division. The Dolphins, they're 14 to 1, second best odds. Patriots, 18 to 1. Jets, 22 to 1. No, on the wins over Wilson. They're the the Jets best. are 22 to 1. They're only one game out of first place. No. Yeah. They're not winning the division, but. If you can bet, you can bet on who comes in second place. The Waddle TV. I'm talking about the Waddle TV from from week one. That was a fluke. It was. I mean, it's a fourth and seven at midfield with 47 seconds left against the Patriots. That doesn't happen very often. Uh, what right. do you think the, the odds for the NFC North are? Minus 500 Vikings. Minus 320 for the Vikings. Wow, that really. Packers hmm. are plus 250. What Lions, the Bears? 40 to one. Bears 80 to one. What do I have to bet to win with the Lions? The Lions? 40 to 1. I just told you that. Yeah. What? All right. Great, great win for the Vikings. Um, All right. Vikings nice? look like they're going to win the division. Rams, 24. Panthers, 10. Matthew Stafford threw the 29th pick six of his career. Tied for the second most in NFL history, along with Hall of Famer Dan Marino. Who's and number the one? Only, the only person with more. Hall of Famer Brett Favre. Favre. That's right. I'll just say okay. this. Um, what is it? 32 to 29? Is that the score? On the pick sixes, I think far. I think Stafford plays at the right. As long as Stafford doesn't build a volleyball stadium with government funds earmarked for poor people, he can throw all the pick sixes he wants, and I won't Ooh, think any less of it. Wilson, Get allegedly, allegedly. Uh, Chris McCaffrey heavily involved in this game. Uh, the announcers kept mentioning possibly showcasing him for a <laughs> trade. PJ Walker, as it turns out, not a huge upgrade over Baker Mayfield. Sixteen, ten to sixteen for sixty yards. Jacob Eason also came in three of five for fifty nine yards. And an interception. Um, Stafford wasn't great. The run game was okay. <laughs> Cooper this Cubs. Rams team stinks. If they weren't playing this terrible excuse of a football team in the Carolina Panthers, they they would have lost this game. Uh, it's uh, um, they, they're not they're not great, man. They're three and three. Got to figure out. They got to figure out how to get the offensive line fixed, and they they'll be fine. How do you figure that out in the middle? I don't of the know. You got to coach guys up. You got to get some continuity. Got some get some reps under your belt. I guess. I mean, that's the only answer. Any more cliches that could put this, help pull this thing together? Yeah. <laughs> At least the upside for the Rams. The, the upside for the Rams that uh, Matthew Stafford finally realized he had other people to throw to besides Cooper Cup. We saw Allen Robinson had five catches. They had a couple couple players, three players who had four more catches besides 
Cooper Cup. So that's that's an that's a good thing. Against the Panthers team that has four and a half players, one who quit in the middle of the game or was asked to leave, and Christian McCaffrey, who won't say it out loud, but I imagine he would love to be traded to a team like the Bills. Um, to the Robbie Anderson thing. I mean, he's like a temple guy. Like, what? Like, would you expect that? Like, this guy was be thrilled that they fired Matt Rule. Are they not paying him a salary to act like a normal person at work? What are you talking about? I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying he, I mean, Robbie Anderson's a, a bizarre guy, man. Like, I mean, after the game, he pretended like nothing happened. I was like, what? I, I don't even know what happened. But I mean, I don't know what Matt Rule and Temple has to do anything. Matt Rule is terrible at his job. It was like a peaceful I mean, Antonio Brown situation. Well, look, I will say this. Robbie is a weird dude, but at least he kept his uniform on and, and didn't like strip out, strip on his way out of the, out of the, the and he did it. what he was asked. Like, yeah, if, he, 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 Robbie Anderson's like Matt Rule's dude. I like, don't it, care. Well, I mean, I'm just, tell, I'm just telling you that's why he melted down. Like, that's the that's not why he melted down. He was mad at the wide receivers coach for whatever wasn't happening. I, I don't, I mean, Matt Rule's a defensive guy, so I don't know what they, they're doing in terms of game planning on Sundays. Like, if Matt Rule's saying call this specific play for Robbie Anderson, no, I think, I think, okay, fine, you're right. Robbie Anderson's not upset about Matt Rule, and Robbie Anderson had zero targets, but like, what's the receivers coach supposed to say? Like, hey, bro, our quarterback, <laughs> our quarterback now is PJ Walker. Like, what do you want me to do? I just don't think Matt Rule has anything to do with it. Like, I, I know they were at Temple together, and that's great. But, I mean, it's not like this is an internship where you can just walk out if you're angry. You're getting paid. Did he just get a new contract or not? Uh, yeah, he got, uh, I think he got one. Two not too long ago, right? Yeah, yeah, 2021, yeah. So if they tell you to go there and block, go there and block. Uh, or if, you, if you're mad with Matt Rule, go go take the, the, the U-Haul ride with him back to wherever he's going. Okay. I give Steve Wilkes credit. He was calm. He said, uh, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Like he just, he bounced him out of the club very politely. And, you know, Robbie, <laughs> uh, our buddy, Donna Edwards, who's produced this podcast a few times. And then he, for some reason, hightailed it out of here. I don't know why, but he actually, he's a huge. Yeah, we, uh, Billy is the, the producer. And so now I can focus on doing Ion College basketball. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah. That, that makes sense. But he tweeted out afterwards because um, he follows the Panthers pretty closely. Let's see what he tweeted. He tweeted, <laughs> Robbie didn't have the smoke for rule, but wanted, wanted to act up as soon as the substitute teacher came around. And that's that's exactly how I felt about it. Like, uh, you know, he didn't say anything when he wasn't getting targets with Matt Rule because they're boys, as Brinson notes. But Steve he Wilkes said, regardless of what's been going on the past week, I always keep my head down and keep working. Well, that's not true because we, we saw exactly what happened on Sunday. All right, let's move on. Uh, the Panthers are the worst team in football, I think. Yes. Yeah, they, David Tepper was there. How do you think he felt about watching that game? Uh, probably not. Then he wanted to sell him and buy a new team. Seahawks 19, Cardinals 9. First place Seahawks. Say it. What's his name? You remember? Yeah. What's his full name? Eugene Cyril Smith Third. I like that you're trying to take the Seahawks bandwagon away from me. No, you can have the Seahawks bandwagon. I Look, I was leading the bandwagon of, of people saying that the Seahawks are going to suck this year in the preseason. And I, I'm one of the people that wrote Gino off. He didn't write me back, but I'm willing to support Gino because he. Everybody, he's everybody thought the Seahawks were sucked this year. The Seahawks and the Car, the Seahawks and the Falcons are the two teams that were buried consistently. I'm going to say this with a I had the base. Cardinals in last place in my predictions. They suck. Uh, that we can all agree that they suck. Uh, but I, with a straight face, I'm going to say this: Gino Smith should be in the MVP conversation. Who disagrees with me? Not, not at all. Breach. Ah. Uh, what do you mean? Ah, yeah, he's leading the league in completion percentage. He's absolutely dealing out there. 
He ran for 48 yards today. Every time I looked up watching the game, he was scrambling for more yardage. Yeah, I mean, the fact that the Seahawks are tied for first in the NFC West in a season where people thought they were probably going to be 0-6 six, six weeks in the season, they somehow have three wins. I think you could certainly make the argument because their defense has been non-existent for five weeks, suddenly showed up today somehow, and just absolutely stifled the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, watching the Seahawks defense actually do something, it was like, oh my God, if they start doing this, if they play just 40% better than they did the first five weeks of the season, this team actually could be good. And we got a taste of that in this game. And what is the chance? What are the chances that Geno comes crashing back to earth in the next month? Zero. Think so? You think he can maintain? Zero. I, I will say like the Gino in the Gino in the MVP conversation reminds me a little bit of maybe Alex Smith that year, uh, 2016, I guess, where was is that the Chiefs? Mid-season? Yeah. Chiefs. Last year with the Chiefs, he was midseason MVP for some people and you're like, you kind of knew it wasn't going to last, but dude, like Gino looks great out there. I mean, he's slinging dimes. Like, I like, mean, he's playing so well that there, no one on planet earth, including Ciara would say that Russ, Russ Wilson's playing anywhere close to Gino Smith's level. future, future, a huge winner in this Gino Smith. Oh boy. Wow. That is a punch below the belt. <laughs> Literally. Uh, yeah, Seahawks yeah. at the chargers giants at home at the Cardinals. Hey, Breach, so I got a question for you. Why is why is Cliff Kingsbury such a terrible coach? Uh, Ryan, that's a great question. I don't think that <laughs> I honestly don't think I, like he pretends like everything's always hunky dory. Uh, but in fact, it does not. <laughs> I, I will say like this. That. Sorry, Cliff Kingsbury has never said the, the term hunky dory. Go ahead. It does not seem like him and Kyler are ever on the same page. I mean, does that seem weird? It's a starting yes. quarterback. They're tied together for the next seven years unless one of them gets cut or fired or traded. Well, Brinson uh, always brings up, or maybe you bring it up. They just signed him to a new new deal. I don't think that matters. I think, I think that it reflects poorly on Steve Kime. It, well, here's this is the line from uh, uh, Kit Summers of AZ Central. He's a columnist for azcentral.com. All this is a, 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 a clip from it. all of the above is the responsibility of a head coach, especially one who calls offensive plays. And it emphasizes the arrogant mistake owner Michael Bidwell made last spring to sign Kingsbury and general manager Steve Kime to contract extensions through 2027. I mean, is that wrong? Kingsbury didn't kick three field goals inside of 50 yards because he didn't trust the kicker. And he had, and Kingsbury actually admitted that much afterwards. He like, they went into the game thinking we can't kick anything inside outside of 30 yards. So we had to go for it. Like, that is just poor roster management and poor coaching. As Breach noted, they scored nine points against one of the worst defenses. Uh, uh, they, sc- they scored three points. The other six came on a fumble return oh. touchdown. When and then also, the and then also Kingsbury was vindicated because his kicker missed the extra point on that fumble return touchdown. And then you could say, well, it's his fault for not bringing in a kicker who can make something from 50 yards. But it's not like you have a ton of options uh, at this point, but yeah, you can't go into a game and say, Oh, I don't trust my kicker. So we're just not going to kick field goals. Uh, especially in a game where points were at a premium, uh, you know, they, the, uh, one of his early possessions, the first quarter, they passed up a fourth and four. They could have tried a 38 yard field goal. They decided to go for it. They got nothing. You know, they when got- you don't try a 38 yard field goal, when you're, uh, coaching a high school team that doesn't have anyone on the team that can kick. I would say that was the only one that was the other two fourth downs where they could have kicked field goals were fourth and two. And I do feel like at both points in the game, he was probably thinking that he felt more comfortable with the ball in Kyler's hands than having his kicker out there kicking a field goal. Someone asked in the comments, who gets fired first? 
Cliff Kingsbury and Nathaniel Hackett. And the extenuating circumstances are that Hackett just started the job and that Cliff Kingsbury just has a new deal. And the Cardinals just aren't firing it. You can't, they're just not going to clean house if given all these extensions to Kyler. So you're just going to win three football games for the next three years and just say, well, Sorry. I well, the up. biggest difference is that the Bidwills gave Kyler this extension, whereas the Walton family had nothing to do with the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett. And if they don't want him, they're like, hey, yes. sorry, man. We'll, we'll get you a job at Walmart, but you're done here. I don't know what the I don't know what the Bid, Bidwells, how they made their money uh, or if it's just football. I mean, it, we know well and stuff. Uh, but we know the Waltons are, are the Walmart people. And typically in, when you make money in another line of work and if you invest in something that's not working, you move on from it. And and they fire the, the dumbass that told you to invest in it in the first place, which is Brian. The Bidwells have owned the Cardinals since 1933. So that's their, that's they're like the, the Rooney's. That's their only, uh, except they don't have half as many Super Bowls. Yeah. Okay. Or any, but they, they don't have another line of work is your point. Yes. Fair enough. Actually, All right, well. it, it, uh, born in Chicago. I was just, uh, Bill Bidwell. And his elder brother, Charles, were adopted by Charles and Violet Bidwell, owners of the then Chicago Cardinals. Oh, so they came from Chicago. Interesting. So, Fire Cliff Kingsbury, you know, Chicago, like, the, and the Seahawks are fun. The, the Cardinals are just... They are fun. I, I, I like what... And Gino's playing with a ton of confidence. Ken Walker had a good day today, 21-97. And, and look, to be clear, when I said that the, the Seahawks are my bandwagon, I, I wouldn't... Not before the season, I wasn't on them. But, I mean, several weeks ago, we were like, we're definitely... I was like betting on the Seahawks to win the division, like six to one. Finally, and, and real quick, the Cardinals get back to DeAndre Hopkins, and they play this Thursday. So maybe that will that will it, flip things around. It won't. Okay. Colts thirty-four, Jaguars twenty-seven. Gosh. Speaking of bandwagons, I look. I toot my own horn. Got to bury myself too. The Jaguars had a real chance to win this game. To write, how, the do, you, how do you bury yourself? Just out of curiosity, with a shovel and like some dirt. Right. Just scrape the dirt over until it can be done. I ain't gonna lie, I'm getting cooked. <laughs> Cell phone video of him doing it tonight. Yeah, it's so. <laughs> in the backyard. Jaguars now two and four after their great start. The Colts three, two and one, and just right back in the mix. I mean, the Colts are, I believe, they're the seventh seed. If the season ended today, Frank Reich's Jeez. doing his thing again. Matt Ryan looked pretty good in this game. Were he we dead wrong on the Colts? Uh, here's the thing: like Colts fans were booing the Colts for a, a lot of this football game. Because they were playing, they were colting it up early on. Um, at one point, let's see, it was fourteen to ten. The Jaguars were up. I'm not sure how high they, how 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 much they built the lead up before things started falling apart for them. Uh, Twenty-one thirteen, and then the the Colts scored um, thirteen unanswered. Hmm. Jaguars came back down. Trevor Lawrence had a great drive. Uh, scored a touchdown with two forty-eight left. Uh, threw a pass to Christian Kirk. Used his legs a lot on the drive. Ten minutes, 18, 18 plays, eighty-four yards. Ten minutes. My goodness gracious! To take a one-point lead, perfectly timed. You just got to, your defense has to get a stop. The I'm trying to think how the Colts got into field goal range. It looked like they were going to kick the field goal, and then was there like a false start maybe? And they had to like they decided to chunk it downfield, and and Alec Pierce just got open and scored a touchdown. I don't. It, I don't. it really was a weird play because it was third and thirteen, and it was like. Uh, the Colts have Chase McLaughlin, so it's not like they have a guy who's been there. They don't have Justin Tucker. And so you're thinking they probably want to get at least five or six yards here to give him a better chance rather than send him out there for a 50-yard field goal to win the game. And instead, Matt Ryan literally just chucked this ball up in the air that somehow turned into a 32-yard touchdown. It literally made no sense that this happened. It it 
Right. It was very bizarre because they were down 27-26. And if you take just any sort of crosser or any sort of like curl, just anything to get a couple of yards. I mean, you can do a draw. I mean, anything. And you you have a good look at a field goal and you, to take the shot down the field. I mean, look, I, great. You know, you, you win the game. But like, it, it was a weird spot to take a shot down the field. I was yeah. thinking they somehow got backed up for some reason, but I guess not. That's I literally just went back to look at the clip to see if that was all. No, it was just Matt Ryan said, "You know what? He's I'm doing it. I'm just going to throow it down, and I don't care if I leave I my kicker hanging low." See, that could be roughing the passer. He got hit low by a Colts def- or a Jaguars defender when he threw it up there. Three guys short and just one deep route, and Pierce had Pierce beat his guy and scored. It's a it's a crazy decision. And the other thing, another crazy decision, the first six possessions of the second half all ended in touchdowns except for one, and that is where Jacksonville failed on a fourth and one from the Colts' 32-yard line because Dougie P decided to call a quarterback option, uh, mm. like just the worst play call you could ever imagine. It, it, it just it, it got blown up. It had no chance of succeeding, and when you have, uh, I don't know, 33 carries for 243 yards in the game. Just run it up the middle. Just All right. Uh, finally, what, what do we think the uh, the division odds are in the AFC South are? Titans are, are minus 450. 150. What? Colts are plus 120 is the, the top team. The Colts? Yes, Ryan, the Colts. Why not the Titans? Right, because the Colts have a half game lead over the Titans? No, the Titans have a half game lead over the Colts. Yeah. Right. That's what I meant. Take that. What, the, what are the Show. Titans' odds? Plus 160 for the Titans. I would oh crush God. the Titans. Jaguars plus 370. Texans 30 to 1. I don't know why the, the Colts are favored. That seems weird to me. Titans yeah, already have a win over the Colts, and they're currently in first place. And they're playing a ton better. Like and Ryan. they're playing the Colts next week. What a perfect way to end, right? Preview for week seven. Preview for week seven. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For Breach, for Wilson, I'm Brinson. We will be back, of course, Monday night after the primetime game. Smash the like button. Turn on alerts so you're notified when we get live. See you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.